yesterday as I wrapped up my tax filing and walked down to the mailbox downtown. In my ear were ringing the news reports that the U.S. military had just dropped the largest bomb in its non-nuclear arsenal on Afghanistan. And it was Monday, Thursday. And I was lost in the swirl of irony. Here I was, paying my taxes, getting ready to celebrate Jesus' mandate, his final commandment to his followers to love one another. And news reports were glorifying one of the largest weapons ever made. It took me the better part of the day to remember that the war in Afghanistan has been going on for 15 years. And then to recognize that our nation has been at war almost continually since its founding in one way, shape, or form. And before that, the empire from which we were descended had been at war, and so on and so forth. And you push your way back through history, and I realized that yesterday wasn't really all that remarkable at all. that Christians have been gathering together in a society that seems to be obsessed with death and death-dealing things. From those events outside of Jerusalem and from before then, since the beginning, Ours is a faith that is filled with irony. The beginning of this month, our confirmands gathered for their last class as they prepare for confirmation this summer, and they always have amazing questions to ask about their faith. They are the questions that we would all like to ask, but most of us feel we're too old to ask. And one of them who had been doing study recently, in fact, he was the most recently baptized in the group, took out the prayer book right before prayer, and he said, why is the cross like this? Why is the cross like this? And I realized what he meant was he had been looking into his own research and he realized that this was not the shape of the cross that Jesus was crucified on. He wanted to know about this part up here, this top part. Why is that there, he asked.
when I was growing up in the Midwest, I was taught, as we were growing up in the Bible Belt, that this was a symbol of execution. In fact, when I had my little soiree into fundamentalism, I remember someone saying that when you're wearing a cross, it's sort of like wearing an electric chair around your neck. That's our bias as a society. We like symbols to mean and signify one thing, and we tend to collapse it down into something that we can easily explain. I didn't start to break out of that understanding of the cross until I was traveling in Japan many years later and observed on some very ancient Buddhist art, crosses. Crosses that could be traced back to the journey of Buddhism as it came over from the Asian continent to Japan and traced back even further to Buddhism's origin and Hindu art in India. The cross didn't originate with Christianity. It is a very ancient symbol of something profound. Christians picked it up. And then adapted Jesus' death to it. And we have been arguing about what the cross means ever since. Our Puritan ancestors decided it was too much to have a depiction of Jesus on the cross, so we did away with crucifixes in many of our churches. But we also did away with something I think that is still profoundly understood in much of the Catholic world, particularly in poorer parts of the world, and that is when people look up at a crucifix it's not that they are glorifying in Jesus' suffering. It's that they see a God who identifies with their own suffering. They see a God who is there in the midst of the ironies and pains and distortions of their own lives. And that is a source of strength and hope. This past Tuesday, clergy of the diocese gathered as we do every Holy Week for the Chrism Mass at Grace Cathedral. We renew our vows. And this year we had conversation with one another and our bishop about all the challenges we have been facing since the election last November trying to hold our communities together in fractious times, trying to speak honestly about what is a Christian response to the current political moment. And the first image that Bishop Mark showed us was an image of a baptistry from Philippi. 
that community where Paul founded one of the first Christian churches in the Roman Empire in the middle of the first century, and the baptistry was shaped like a cross, an equilateral cross, not like the cross Jesus might have died on. And the water in the baptistry flowed through it. Maybe it was a local spring or a local river. And our bishop pointed out to us that to step down into that turbulent water was to step into the middle of that cross. That is to say, Jesus is there in that crucified place, as we call it, right at the intersection, which is why we have the symbol we do. And it is at that intersection where God in Christ comprehends all of our divisions and all of our ironies and all of the things that pull us apart. And that is where Christ is, right here, in the midst of this holy, ancient symbol. Where all of life, and even death itself, is drawn together. That is why we look to the cross in hope. It represents a crucified place. And it is that place that Jesus chooses on Good Friday and calls us into it, where we bring all of our sufferings and all of the ironies of this life and all of our divisions, and all of the things that break us both internally and relationally. Jesus gives his life in that place. And as one of my colleagues wrote just today, Jesus doesn't go to the cross to face his death. Death comes to the cross to face Jesus. And so for 2,000 years, we have been called into that crucified place. That crucified place that stands to bear witness and hold up a mirror to the culture of death that has always been with us. That crucified place where our sufferings and our failings meet God's love for us. That crucified place where we have a chance again at hope for the human family, for ourselves, for those whom we love, 
and even for those things that we thought in our lives were dead beyond words. That crucified place, which is the recognition of a God who holds our death as much as holds our life. It is a radical place and a radical love that the world in its obsession with death will never fully understand, and maybe we won't either. But you know what the good news is? We don't have to. We have to only accept the love that is offered there and enter again those turbulent waters into that place where Christ beckons us. And there find our own hopes renewed. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.